Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Ginger London. Welcome to the Ginger London Show. I am Minister Ginger London, your host. This is part two of Friend, Foes, and Fellow Christians, a four-part teaching series we're doing that we're doing on making good choices in personal business and spiritual relationships and avoiding the wrong ties. And so I want to welcome you again to the show. I want you to get uh, excited about today's show, which is on friendships that destroy toxic relationships. And so before we get into uh, the show and before we do the opening prayer what we want to do is just do a recap for you again this is a four-part series part one we did on last night which was on friend our foe which are you uh, part two is tonight friendships that destroy and on tomorrow night at 7:30, it is stop the madness how can two walk together except they agree and then on thursday evening april 29th will be the fourth part in the series on the fine arts of friendship. And so let's uh, do as we always do. Let's open up with a word of prayer, and we're going to get right into the discussion on tonight. If you are listening uh, by internet, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. If you know someone who needs to hear this, uh, who may be away from their computer or don't have a computer, you can give them the call-in number, which is area code 646-929-2431. The number again, 646-929-2431. And so let's just open up with prayer. Father, we thank you on this evening. We bless your holy name. We humble ourselves before you. Father, we're asking that you search our hearts, remove anything that is ungodly, unpleasing to you, Lord God. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word and to learn more about relating to one another. And Father, we ask right now for everyone that is tuned in, that's listening, Lord God, that is in a toxic friendship or relationship, that on tonight they'll receive strategies and uh, practical steps to identify what they're in and boldness and courage to begin to redefine the relationship or make strategies uh, to get out of it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's move right into it uh, on tonight. And I'm going to open up and I'm going to say this to you. No, no one plans to be an enemy. You know, we all want to be friendly and we all want to be a good friend to someone, but yet sometimes things happen. We make some bad choices in our friendships that we select. We make uh, bad choices in um, friendships and the relationships that we get involved in, and things just don't turn out the way we desire for them to turn out. So on tonight, we're going to be dealing with some of the, the several different types of negative relationships that will cause your uh, cause you to be emotionally and spiritually distressed. Uh, and some of these relationships, we're going to put them under a category, and we're just going to call them toxic relationships. And so toxic relationships don't work. They hurt, and sometimes they destroy. So we're going to be talking about uh, what it means to be unequally yoked with someone, uh, what who are emotional and spiritual blackmailers. We're going to talk about uh, the, the different types of toxic relationships and how to get out of those um, friendships that create problems for you. Proverbs 13 and 20 says this, whoever walks with wise people will be wise. 
but whosoever associate with fools will suffer. And so what that tells us is there we have a choice. We can choose to walk with people who are wise, and we can become wiser. Our lives become more enriched. We'll become more healthier in our emotions. Or we can choose to walk with fools, and we will end up suffering. Not only will we suffer emotionally, we'll suffer spiritually, and we'll suffer uh, mentally. And a lot of times, when you go through those sufferings in those categories, they show up in your physical being. So a bad relationship or a bad friendship doesn't just mess with your mind and your emotion. Those things surface into your physical being. Uh, they surface in uh, depression. They, sur- they surface in eating disorders, and they surface in uh, tormented thoughts. I mean, they just come... Uh, the evidence that you're in something that you shouldn't be in always comes up some type of way physically in your life to let you know that there is something going on that shouldn't be going on. One of the things that you need to know is that God created us for uh, relationships. We were created to love, to have a relationship with God, and then we were created to have a relationship with our fellow, uh, with fellow believers, with our family members. We were created to have friendships with other people. And so we have been created to be connected to one another. And it is through this connection that we find a sense of belonging, acceptance, closeness, and we can find commitment. Now, the the things that we find in being connected in our friendships and our relationships, the belonging, the acceptance, the closeness, the uh, commitment, this doesn't, these connections, are, um, they don't take the place of or supersede our acceptance in Christ. Uh, but it should complement our walk in God. So, you know, we know we find our greatest acceptance in, the, uh, in Christ Jesus, the words that we are accepted in the beloved. And so we're not looking for our friendships and our relationships to fill a void in our lives because only God can do that. But we are looking for our friendships and our relationships, um, our family relationships to be complementary to our lives. We are looking for a connection that says that I am connected to somebody, I belong uh, to, to this particular group or I, I belong to this particular friendship and it is healthy for my state of being. And so unfortunately, there are times when people uh, feel disconnected from others, which leads them to isolation and loneliness. And because they're feeling isolated and because they're lonely, what happens during these times of isol- isolation and loneliness, uh, the desire to connect becomes strong and at times it's overwhelming. And when it becomes overwhelming, we make some bad choices. Uh, So a person can uh, choose to be connected to you because they are uh, emotionally, uh, you know, uh, drained or they're feeling a void in their lives. And you could be strong and somebody could connect to you because they're trying to find somebody to to accept them, and you become, you become friends with them out of the goodness of your heart. But at some point in the friendship, you discover that that was a wrong connection or that was a bad connection. Or people in, on the other side of that will know that they have ulterior motives for connecting to you, and they will attach themselves to you for selfish gain. And so the connection could go either way. So when people begin to connect themselves to anyone uh, uh, who will accept them or allow them into the group, then what happens is they get into a place where uh, they become needy, uh, they expect the friend or the group to fill that void, and it becomes complicated for the other person because they were connecting to you for um, godly reasons. And so you have to understand that there are places in your life and connections uh, in your life that if you allow the wrong people into those places, it could be detrimental to your life. So your connections have to be good connections uh, that will lead to uh, healthiness. If you connect to someone who has turned out to be a bad friend or you connect for the wrong reasons, usually what happens is 
uh, it results in superficial acquaintances, um, which then result in betrayal in the friendship, hurts in the friendship, there, and then possibly some abandonment. Because once you become attached to the person, and if they feel like they're not getting what they wanted from the friendship or out of the relationship, after you have invested and enmeshed yourself into it, they will then walk away from the relationship. And so now you're feeling abandoned because you're putting your all in all into it. And then they decided uh, out of nowhere that, no, this is not for me. This is not um, what I expected. This is not what I'm looking for. And so then they walk out off from the relationship. So there are several uh, negative relationships that will cause uh, you, uh, you as a believer uh, for to have your emo- to be an emotional or spiritual distress. And, and so we call them toxic relationships, and as I said just now, they don't work. They hurt, and they sometimes destroy. So the first one, I'm going to talk to you mainly about two. The first one is being unequally yoked. What does it mean to be unequally yoked? Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 16, 16 says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? And so in this chapter of Corinthians, Paul is telling the believers not to form partnerships with unbelievers because it may weaken your commitment to Christ. And relationships and partnerships with unbelievers can jeopardize the integrity and the spiritual morality of the believer. So personal and business relationships with unbelievers should be avoided. But when uh, you're in these relationships uh, with them, what happens is the temptation to compromise your faith becomes great and because they do some people do things differently than the way that you do things as a believer so what does it mean to be yoked with somebody well biblically the definition means to join them together it was used with animals and it was to join them together and to help them work together so the key terms are join together and it's to help them work together and to be unequally yoked means that one of the animals understood the task and the other animal did not. And so when you're unequally yoked with someone, uh, especially with an unbeliever, that means that the believer uh, knows the binding agreement or knows the direction of God, and the other person does not. And so that means that the unbeliever's agenda is different from yours, and therefore it creates friction and it creates some uh, problems in the relationship. So don't lock yourself into a personal or business relationship that will cause you to compromise your faith. Light and darkness cannot dwell together. There's no harmony or no fellowship between righteousness and unrighteousness. And so the danger of being um, unequally yoked is found in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 33. And I will read it to you from the NIV. And um, here's what it says. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, that's what you get. Bad company corrupts good character. And so whenever you are in a toxic relationship, that's bad company. And what it does is it corrupts good character. So let's talk about what uh, it means uh, to be an emotional, uh, in a situation where there's emotional and spiritual blackmailing going on, where there's some hidden motives and the person is uh, using some things against you to control and manipulate the relationship. So emotional and spiritual blackmail. As Proverbs 20 and 27 says, the Lord's searchlight penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. So there's nothing that is hidden from God. We may not recognize the uh, emotional blackmailer at first, but God knows the intent of every man's heart. But And so let's talk about emotional blackmailers 
are people in your life who use fear, obligation, guilt, and scriptures to manipulate you and the relationship. They gather information about you in the relationship and turn it into ammunition against you in the relationship. And the purpose, their purpose, is to manipulate you from a position of fear. If they can get you in a place of fear, they can control the relationship. And so manipulation feeds on your fear. And we know that the word of God teaches us that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. But the emotional blackmailer, uh, their uh, premise is operating out of fear. And so what what the blackmailer position is, what they usually say is, do things my way and I won't. Do something. And so let me give you some examples. Do things my way and I won't tell anyone where you went last night. I won't tell anybody about that addiction that you have. Do things my way and I won't tell anybody about that relationship that you're involved in that you know you shouldn't be in. Do things my way and I won't uh, leave you like the rest of your friends did or I won't leave you like the rest of your girlfriends did or the rest of your boyfriends did or uh, do things my way uh, or I won't or I do things my way and I won't stop uh, loving you or I won't disapprove of you or, or you know, uh, do things my way and I won't make you miserable. Sometimes they make you feel guilty because they start be- misbehaving in the relationship and then they make you feel like it's your fault. Uh, you're the reason why they're acting that way. They'll say something like, well, if you would have um, paid attention to me, then I wouldn't have to act like this. You know, it's because of you that I'm acting like this. And then they get you on a guilt trip and have you believe in that you're the reason why that they're why they're feeling the way they're feeling you know if you're on a job and you're dealing with a blackmailer the blackmailer say something like do things my way and I won't I'll make sure you keep your job and what they're saying in essence is do things my way and I won't fire you and so blackmailers they can be uh you can have emotional and spiritual blackmailers in your family you can have them on the job you can have them as friends you can have them um in marriage relationships is the whole premise is to use ammunition against you to manipulate the relationship. So what is emotional and spiritual blackmail? And here, here's the definition of it. It is a punish, punishment threatened against you directly or indirectly used by someone who is close to you to manipulate you. I'll give it to you again. It is a punishment threatened against you directly or indirectly used by someone who is close to you to manipulate you. It has one basic threat, threat, which is to make you suffer, feel guilty spiritually, and undergo unnecessary life experiences. That is the whole stance of the, of the emotional and spiritual blackmail. It's one basic threat, and that's to make you suffer, make you feel guilty spiritually, and to undergo unnecessary life experiences. And so, uh, and usually these experiences include pain and hurt. The, the, you know, the emotional blackmailer knows that what they're doing is causing you pain. They know it's causing you hurt. It's also uh, distress. They know they have you under distress because you never know when they're going to do what they're going to do. You never know if if they're ever going to expose something on you, or if they're ever uh, when they're going to follow through on uh, the threats that they've made against you. So they know that you're distressed. They put you under distress. Coercion, they, co- they coerce you into doing what they want you to do. You feel like your back is up against the wall. You feel like you have no other options, no way out, no other choice. You have to give in because whatever ammunition that they have on you, 
uh, they have convinced you that if they tell it or if they, they expose it, that the embarrassment is going to be so bad that it's going to bring shame upon your life. And because you know what that ammunition is and because you know what that thing is they have against you, that you, you begin to feel uh, well, that person is right. If they, if they tell somebody what I did, I am going to be embarrassed. You know, but the greatest thing that you can do uh, uh, in fear is to move against the fear barrier. It, it, it is less embarrassing if you expose yourself than it is to have somebody manipulate you with an issue and control you with your issue and threaten to, to embarrass you through the exposure. So it's better for you to tell on yourself than to allow somebody else to control your life with something that they have on you. Also, they use emotional imprisonment. I mean, you feel like you have no other option but to stay connected to the blackmailer, to the emotional, spiritual blackmailer. You feel like there's no way out. There's no hope. There's no way out. This is the, this is the only option I have right now. I don't know when this is going to break. I don't know when this is going to end. Well, it'll end when you stop it. It'll end when you, when you put an end to it. But as long as the emotional blackmailer is in control, it'll never end. You will always feel like you are imprisoned in your emotions, like there's no way out. And you will live on pins. You will live on pins and needles. You will live in fear for a long period of time, or as long as you allow the blackmailer to be in control. Uh, blackmailers are usually very cunning in relationships and in friendships. They make it almost impossible for you to see how they are manipulating you. They uh, they start off as a good, honest friend. That's what they they come across as. They have your best intent in uh, intent at heart. They have the best intentions of connecting with you. But deep down on the inside, as I said earlier, when I read the scripture, there's some hidden motives. There's another agenda uh, um, operating in the in the mind of the uh, emotional and spiritual blackmailers. Their actions are usually hidden and they're a mask. You don't know initially because they are very cunning. They're good at it. And they know exactly when to come out with the manipulation, when to come out with the threat. But they won't do that until after they've gathered some information on you and they use you to get the information. So blackmailers use fear. You know, um, they use, they'll cause you to go into a, a state of panic. They'll cause you to become alarmed about um, uh, something that they have on you or apprehensive about it. Uh, they use obligation. They, they, make you, they make you feel like it's your duty to respond to them, that they put you under this compulsion, like you just, you feel like you have to do it. And, and they make you, you know, through the blackmailing process, they make you feel like it's your duty to respond to what, they, what it is they want you to do. Um, also, they make you feel guilty. Uh, they make you feel like it's your fault. Uh, you're the one to blame. It's, you know, you're responsible uh, for this, the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. So uh, they use their threats to make your life difficult uh, if you don't comply with their requests or, or don't do what they want you to do. The most common or the most constant threat that a, a, an emotional blackmailer uses um, in you in the relationship is that they're going to end the relationship. Or they'll say something like, um, uh, you know the Lord sees everything that you do. That's the most constant threat is that if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm walking out. I'm leaving. If you don't do this for me, I'm not going to stay married to you. If you don't do this for me, this relationship is over. I'm gone. I'm out of here. And because you've been so manipulated and so conditioned to uh, respond to those threats, 
then fear moves in when you hear them saying that they're going to leave, they're going to walk out, they're going to uh, uh, end the relationship. You panic and you give in to what they want, and that is when they learn how to control you. Is they they push those which they know which fear buttons to push to get you to do exactly what they want um, you to do, and so they also may use um, self-sabotaging statements, implying negative or hurtful. Uh, uh, that implying something negative or implying that they're going to neglect themselves or they're going to hurt themselves. You know, uh, if you don't stay in this relationship, if you leave, I'm going to kill myself. Or if you leave, I don't know, I'm just going to be sick. I don't know how I'm going to make it without you. You know, they, they use any threat that will work. How many people want to be in a position where if somebody says, you, if you walk out on this relationship, I'm going to commit suicide or I'm going to kill myself. Nobody wants to be in that place that if they actually do leave and the person commits suicide, then imagine the guilt that's going to be on top of you if that person actually follows through through with that. So the blackmailer knows that. So what that blackmailer does is at most at the most crucial uh, life uh, changing or decision making times in that relationship, when you come to a place where you say enough is enough, this is it, I'm out of here, this is not for me then that the blackmailer knows exactly when to use those words. They know, I mean, they do everything from cry, breaking down crying. They use, they use depression. They curl up in fetal positions. They use every tactic under the sun to make what they're saying appear legitimate and that they're actually going to follow through on what they're saying to you. You know, if you leave me, I won't eat uh, for a week. I'm going to starve myself to death. And, you know, and they know that if you have any inkling of human dignity about you, you're not going to want to leave a relationship where a person is going to harm themselves or where they're going to, you know, you know, they have some people who are strong enough to, to challenge the blackmailer, though, and actually go ahead and walk out the situation, you know, but the average person will be concerned about that, that particular threat. When, you, when somebody makes a threat that they're going to harm themselves, that's a little different than when they say, you know, if, 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 you, don't, if you don't stay in this relationship or if you don't do what I want you to do, I'll leave the relationship. That's different. When they switch it around and say, you know, if you leave the relationship, I'm going to kill myself. That's a different kind of statement. And so sometimes people get um, manipulated and controlled by that particular statement. And so what they do is they become depressed on you. You know, um, if they don't want you to, to leave, uh, or they'll, they'll begin to. And if you still threaten to leave, what they'll do is they'll begin to label you as being selfish. You're, you know that you're unfeeling, you're uncaring, you're not spiritual. Uh, from the spiritual perspective, they tell you you're carnal. You're not, you know, you're not spiritual. Or they'll say, you know, you don't care anything about me. I just told you I'll kill myself. And you're still telling me that you're going to end this friendship or you're going to end this relationship. And so they still, again, they still, they are cunning. They know exactly the words to say. They know how to say it. They know the voice tone to use. They know the, 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 the body language uh, uh, to position themselves in so that you can take them seriously. Let me just leave you with this. Uh, the word of God says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So if you're in a situation and you know your back is up against the wall, don't let somebody hurl those threats and, and, and uh, those threats at you and make you feel like you have no other option and that your back is, you know, that you're back against the wall and, you know, I got you. I mean, you, I got you. you, you you're stuck in this, in this place. And don't allow them to use those weapons to paralyze you from being able to move from an unhealthy place in a, in a friendship or a relationship to a more healthy place for you. You have to begin to confess with your mouth 
No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You have to set your faith in agreement with the word of God. You have to believe that God is in control of everything and that if this is not the relationship for you, God, when I walk out, you know exactly what to do. You know how to handle this situation. But it is not for me to stay here and play God. It's not for me to stay here to make sure that you don't kill yourself or make sure that you don't starve yourself to death. And it's not for me to stay here so that you can become my God. So I can, so you, instead of me listening to God, now I'm listening to you. And so I do everything you tell me to do, which is contrary to what the word of God is telling me to do. So I have to, you have to make a decision about how you're going to allow your life uh, to, uh, uh, if you're going to allow your life to be controlled by the blackmailer. And so here's a thought. In order to be blackmailed, you have to be a part of the deal. Nobody can blackmail you without you. So in order for you to be blackmailed, you have to be a part of the deal. So if you don't want to be blackmailed, if you don't want to be in a toxic um, friendship or relationship, then what you have to do is you have to take yourself out of the deal. You got to take yourself out of that equation. If, if you're not in it, they can't do it. They might find somebody else to do it too, but they can't blackmail you. And you have to take it out. And what you have to do is you have to begin to surround yourself with people who you can um, confide in, even if it's some uh, really uh, hard to uh, disclose issues that you're dealing with. If you're caught up in a situation that the blackmail is using against you, you need to confide in somebody that you trust, and you need to tell them exactly what it is that blackmailer has on you, exactly what are the threats that he or she is making against your life, and then ask them for their wisdom on how you need to proceed to get out of that. Because as long as the blackmailer knows that they have you pinned and have your back against the wall, they're going to manipulate you and they're going to control the situation. So sometimes, as I said earlier, you're going to have to embarrass yourself to get loose from the blackmailer. Because as long as the blackmailer has that fear that they fear of exposing you, fear of embarrassing you, they can control the situation. So let's say, for example, if you are addicted to something or let's say you're involved in um, a, a relationship that you should not be involved in with somebody else's husband, somebody else's wife, or something like that. You know, and the, the blackmailer knows that the best thing that you can do is confide in somebody who is wise, who is spiritually strong, tell them what it is. You need to bring your heart to a heart of repentance before God, and then you need to make an exit from the black from the blackmailer. Nobody can beat you at telling any, your story better than you. Nobody can... Uh, uh, the embarrassment is less painful when you tell on yourself as, as in comparison to when somebody else uh, maliciously it tells on you or maliciously expose your uh, your insecurities, expose your uh, vulnerabilities, exposes your sin. It, it's different when somebody else does it than when you do it. So to make sure that the, the blackmailer doesn't have one up on you, you need to position yourself where you are the one that's in control of exposing your own um, uh, faults and sins. You need to do that. And then you break free from the blackmailer because they no longer have that fear of exposure that they're hanging over your head. So in uh, most relationships, when you're dealing with a, uh, a blackmailer, what happens, each person in the relationship, yourself as well as the blackmailer, you bring nerve buttons into the relationship. And usually that's like stored up resentments, regrets, insecurities, fears, and anger. If you're not emotionally strong, if you're not spiritually strong, when you come into a relationship, you have not been healed in your emotions from 
past issues, past hurts, past pain, pains, past ang- uh, uh, situations that you were angry about. If you don't get healed, then you bring them into the relationship. What the manipulator does is, I mean, the emotional blackmailer does is they figure out where, what areas, wh- what those areas are. And the way that they figure that out is they have conversations with you. They talk to you about it. They bring up certain things, and they get you to confide in them, and they get you to open up. And the whole time that you're opening up, calling yourself, you know, just, you know, sharing yourself, being real, you know, all those terms that we use. You know, I'm just being real. This is who I am. You know, all that kind of stuff that we say. Well, while you're sitting there doing all that, the emotional blackmailer is gathering ammunition, and the ammunition is coming from all of the things that you're saying um, and sharing um, uh, with that person. And so these are the places that hurt you the most when they touch it. And so that's what the emotional and spiritual blackmailers, um, that's how they operate. They get to know you and they find out where your tender spots are. And when they find your tender spots, where your tender spots are, then guess what? That's what they use. So let me give you four uh, different faces of blackmailers, uh, emotional and spiritual blackmailers. The first one, if you're taking notes, is punishers. That's the first face of a um, of a, a blackmailer. And the punishers are demanding, and they let you know exactly what they want and what the consequences are if you don't give, them, if you don't give it to them. These are the most blatant blackmailers, you know, because they're the most obvious. They don't hide anything. When they get you into a position where they feel like it's time for the, for the blackmailing to begin, they're not subtle with it. They're blatant with it. They tell you flat out what's going to happen if you don't. They usually are aggressive, um, and then sometimes they can be smoldering, which means that what they do in silence, they let their anger build up. They let their uh, um, the hatred for the situation build up, and then at the right moment, they just explode on you. Um, and what they do is they take it and they aim it directly at you. And what, what they do is they override your feelings in the relationship. They just simply cancel you out. You don't even matter in the relationship. The only time you matter is when they want when, to get what they want. That's when, it, that's when you matter. That's it. Other than that, how you feel about it, any hurts or pains that they're imposing upon you or causing to you because of the way they're treating you, that's out the window. That, that means nothing to them. Their whole goal is to make your life miserable or at the very least unpleasant. That's their goal. And they'll say, they sound like this. They say, if you go back to work, I'll leave you. Or they'll say something like, if you try to divorce me, you'll never see the kids again. I mean, they know that they know, right, they hit you where it hurts. And so, I mean, they tell you, they stand flat-footed, eyeball to eyeball, and they tell you exactly what it is. So those are the punishers. They're blatant. They don't hide anything. They go for the juggler. They go to kill. The second phase of a blackmailer is the self-punishers. And I just touched a little briefly on that a few minutes ago. The, the self-punishers inform you that uh, they will be upset or may even uh, unable to function if you don't do what they want you to do, you know. They can't function if you don't do it. So their threats are turned inward, and they, they may say that they'll do something to mess up their lives or to hurt themselves. As I said earlier, uh, we know them like this. We describe them as they're full of drama and hysteria. You know, it's just a lot of drama with the self-punishers. They're often excessively needy and dependent, and they, they have a real struggle with taking responsibility for their own lives. Uh, they justify their demands by making um, every difficulty Real or imagined in the relationship or the friendship, your fault. The reason why we're struggling in this relationship, you're at fault. Uh, you know, even if they're imagining something, if they got some issues that are unresolved and they're bringing them uh, to the relationship, even those issues that they bring to the relationship, 
now becomes your fault, even though you didn't even know them when they came, when they, uh, uh, when those issues were uh, uh, dealt with, or when they uh, got those issues. They were, but the minute they start dealing with you, they bring all of their baggage to the relationship, and everything they bring to the relationship becomes your fault. And so the ultimate threat of self-punishers is, like I said earlier, they'll say something like they'll kill themselves. Um, They'll say, uh, don't argue with me because if you argue with me, I'll get sick or I'll get depressed. You know, when I argue, when you argue, it just makes me feel ill, you know, and they'll go through the motion of looking like they're ill, you know, and sometimes because the mind is very powerful. The Bible says the man thinketh, so it is heart, which is synonymous with mind. So is he. Some people know how to make themselves sick. Literally, they know how to make their bodies sick. They know how to make, you know, uh, to actually uh, do whatever it is that they want their bodies to do. So it can appear like you've caused them to just you, you've caused so much stress on me now. I can't, I'm sick now. Just you know, they know how to make their bodies uh, take on a certain action. Or as I said earlier, say something like, "If you leave me, you'll kill me." The third face is the sufferer. You know, that's the third blackmailer's face, the sufferers, and they are talented blamers and they're guilt peddlers, you know, and so they're preoccupied with how awful they feel. And so they'll use your inability to interpret their minds as proof that you don't care enough about them. Now, none of us are supposed to read another person's mind. I'm not supposed to know what's going on in your mind. I'm not supposed to, to tell you what you're thinking. I'm not supposed to know your thoughts. The Bible to- tells me to have the mind of Christ, control my own thoughts. Don't think more highly of myself than I ought to. You know, think on things that are pure, just, lovely, and a good report. That's what I'm supposed to do with my mind. But I'm not supposed to do anything else with your mind. I'm, you know, so I'm not supposed to try to read your mind. But the, uh, the sufferer will tell you that you should know what he or she is thinking without, me having to tell, without them having to tell you. You ought to know what I'm thinking. You, we've been friends long enough. You should, know how, you should know how I feel. You should know what I think about this. Now, that's different when, you know, if I voiced my opinion about something or told you my position, but if you haven't told me, they haven't told you, and they're sitting there wanting you to read their mind, you're going to have a hard time with that friendship. You're going to have a hard time with that relationship because you'll never, ever figure out what's going on in the mind of a sufferer. And so it's a game that they have mastered. And what they're saying is, what they're saying is guess what you've done to me. It's a guessing game with them, and the game, they're playing the game, but the game is directed towards you. And what they're saying is, I'm not going to tell you how I feel. I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking. I'm not going to tell you what you've done and how I feel about what you've done, or I want you to guess it. I want you to guess, and then I want you to tell me. Well, how many of you know that when you guess it, since they're in control, you'll never know if you guess right, because they're never going to tell you that you guess right. They're going to keep you guessing, and you're never going to know if you, hit the, if you got it right. Because they're going to change the answer on you. <laughs> so you're never going to guess it. So that's the whole purpose. They don't want you to guess it. The whole purpose is to keep you in a, uh, guessing at it so that they can control the relationship. Then the fourth phase of the, the blackmailer are the teasers. Uh, and they are usually the more subtle blackmailers. And what they do is they put you through a series of tests, and they hold out a, and they hold out a promise of something wonderful if you just give them their way. They test you. And so the reward sounds good and it sounds uh, juicy, but it turns to dust. You know, I'll help you if you do such and such for me. You know, and usually what they do is they use something that they know that you need from somebody, and that's what they use. You know, I'll do this for you because I know you need this done, but first I want you to do this for me. And you'll go and do it what they want you to do, and they will never 
do what you want, what they said they were going to do for you or what you needed done, what they committed to doing. It doesn't work like that. I'm, I bait you, the, the, the black, the uh, teaser baits you in with telling you they're going to do something for you, and it's usually something that you really need done. And then what they do is they get you to do something for them, and then they come up with a reason why they can't fulfill their promise to you or they can't fulfill their, their part of the bargain. And so they usually um, make, uh, they usually make, a request from you that is more than what you need done for them. And they're hoping that you'll get so enmeshed in what they're asking you to do that you'll forget that they were supposed to do something for you. <laughs> and so that's what the teaser does. And so, you know, no matter which face the blackmailer is using, if you're involved with a blackmailer or in a toxic friendship, it doesn't matter which one of these faces show up. What you need to know is that every style of blackmail wreaks havoc in, the, in your well-being. None of them are good for you. If you're involved with anybody like that, it's time to redefine the relationship. It's time to redefine uh, the friendship. And the, back, the blackmailer does not get the task or the honor, as I put it, in redefining the relationship. They get no say in the redefinition of the relationship. The person who is being blackmailed gets all of the say in redefining the, the friendship or the relationship. That's the control that you have that you may not know that you have because you're so enmeshed in all that stuff that the blackmailer is doing, you don't realize that you really have more control over the blackmailer than you really than you know that you have. And so those are that's the this emotional and spiritual blackmailing process. So if you're involved in that, you have to find a way. And again, it goes back to connecting to somebody who's outside of that friendship, outside of that relationship, who is wise, who is spiritually and emotionally strong, who knows how to recognize the behavior patterns of different kinds of toxic people, who can give you some strategies and steps on how to get out of uh, those types of relationships. And a lot of times we have not been taught or um, trained to connect with somebody for that reason because sometimes in our culture, sometimes just in society, period, uh, when, when you make a connection, people will tell you, oh, don't let, don't let so-and-so get too close because, you know, he might want your girlfriend or she might try to take your man and all that crazy stuff. Sometimes you, not sometimes, all of the time, as long as you live on this earth, you will need somebody that you are connected to who is wise, who is spiritually matured, who is emotionally strong, who can take a look from the outside in at your relationships, at your friendships, especially the ones that you are concerned about, the ones that are distress, uh, distressful for you, the ones that are just draining. You need somebody to look into that situation, into that relationship, and give you an honest assessment of what they see going on. And that's going to be based on your honest depiction of what is actually happening. They don't have to talk to the other person. They just need to talk to you because they're your confidant. So when you talk with someone about what you're going through in a friendship or a relationship or uh, a business uh, uh, type relationship, no matter it doesn't matter what type of relationship or friendship it is, when you talk to someone, you have to be brutally honest. And sometimes it's extremely painful to be honest because there's such an embarrassment that comes with having to uh, admit that you um, got connected to somebody that's not healthy or you got connected to a crazy person. Sometimes people don't want to admit that. They're embarrassed and, and rightfully so. But, again, you have to do what's best. And the best thing is you have to move past embarrassment and move into wholeness or move into a place where you're going to begin to uh, take a journey of wholeness, and that means making some necessary changes in your life. So you need somebody that can help you uh, get through that. So let's look 
since we looked at emotional blackmail, let's, before we talk about how to get out of it, let's talk, look at a few types of toxic individuals, people that you know. And, we, and we, we may not all be able to identify with emotional blackmailers, but we will all identify with toxic individuals, these types of um, people who um, come into your life and they just make a mess of things. And usually people who are toxic, toxic individuals, they're usually people with low self-esteem. Uh, they have a, a lack of confidence um, in themselves as well as a lack of confidence in others. They just don't know how to have healthy, good friendships and relationships. They need a lot of work done in, in their lives. So the first one is that we'll talk about, um, the criticizer. And we all know, we've all experienced it, the criticizer. This is somebody who is convinced that he or she has a God-given right to deliver what they think is constructive criticism. But they know the whole time that they're talking to you is not constructive criticism. Really what it is is a sarcastic tone that they want to, you know, that they, they use the platform of, I'm just, I'm just, just, just constructive criticism. It's not. It is, it is a sarcastic attack against something that you are doing or against you personally. And so um, they'll even uh, uh, get to the place, uh, they are very cunning as well. They'll get to the place that if you don't receive it, they'll even get to the place of shedding tears or becoming tearful because they want you to think that they're so sincere about, you know, caring about you and I didn't mean any harm and all this. So the criticizers are people who actually feel like they can come in and just, uh, just, go through and just talk about every area of your life, and that's their right to do that. Then you have the drainer. Uh, you know, some people have experienced a lot of these. I have experienced the drainer. The drainer is, you know, once they sink their claws into you, to you, what happens is it's hard to shake them off because they always got issues going on. They call you. They spend hours on the phone talking about their issues. Um, they, need, they need encouragement all the time. They need you to help them all the time. But on the flip side of that, they never have time to help other people. They never have time to encourage other people. And so in their minds, what they do is they give um, and uh, take the relationship. They give nothing to the relationship, but they take everything from the relationship. A, a drainer has the ability that you can start off talking about something you're dealing with or, or a project you're working on, if it's business or uh, if it's an, an, uh, something you're excited about in your life or just, just talking about life in general, just anything. A drainer is so skilled that they know how to cut into a right at the right place in the conversation and change the whole conversation from what you were talking about into an issue that they're dealing with that has nothing to do with what you were talking about. And when you've gotten 20 minutes into the conversation with them, you realize this is not what we started talking about. This is not how the conversation started. I'm, I'm on a whole other subject here. And then that subject is, is mainly just about them. And, again, it's all about encouraging them. It's all about um, uh, boosting their ego. It's all about stroking them and, and, and providing them with some kind of help. And uh, the drainers come in all categories, friendships. There can be friends who drain you all the time. You can be in a personal relationship. They, uh, the person could drain you. They're always needed. They need a lot of attention. They need, to, they, they need you to always say you love them. You know, I'm there for you. I mean, they need it all the time. It can also be somebody um, in business or if you're an entrepreneur, you can have a, a friend who's trying to 
do some things or, or want to, or just another business acquaintance that will come and just drain you of your ideas, drain you of your creativity, drain you of your time. You look up and you spend two or three hours talking about somebody else's project and then your stuff is gone undone. So you got to know how to recognize drainers and you have to find how to, um, develop uh, conversation skills where you can uh, see in those conversations or redirect the subject of the conversation. Then you have the know-it-all. You know, we all know those types of people. The know-it-all is that no matter what subject comes up, they know about everything. They know every subject. They know about it all. And they enjoy rubbing it, you know, in other people's faces that they know about everything. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be uh, the war in Afghanistan. They know about all of that. You know, so the know-it-all is somebody that you can It's hard to get along with a know-it-all. It's hard to have a conversation with them. It's hard to um, be friends with that person because they never give you room in the friendship or the relationship to actually be a part of um, the growth of the friendship or the relationship because they want you to think that everything that happens in the friendship, especially growth, the, the, the development of the friendship, the knowledge that's discussed, the knowledge that's shared, well, what they're saying is everything that I bring to the relationship I know everything, so I'm bringing all of the intelligence to the relationship, a friendship. I'm bringing all the knowledge to it. You need me to teach you is what they're really saying. And so they don't give you any room to actually be a partaker or a, a dip, uh, someone who, can dip, who makes a deposit into the relationship. They don't allow you to do that. They want to be the one always giving it to you. All right, and then there's the dream killer. And these are the people who come in, and what they do is they uh, – kill your vision and they kill your dreams through certain comments that they make or they tell you things like, you know, um, you'll never be able to pull that off. You know, you should think of something else. You know, um, that's not for you. You know, they'll even get spiritual with it. Well, you know what, before you do that, let me pray about it. You know, as if you can't pray to God for yourself and, he, and, and get some direction about what you should do. And usually when people are dream killers, it's because there's a jealousy there or um, an, a, a, an envy a spirit there that says that they wish that they had a dream. You know, if they had a dream, they would do something. So, you know, like I said on last night's show, misery loves company. So dream killers come in and because there's nothing moving in their lives, no excitement, no vision, no purpose in life, they come and what they do is they find out what your dream is and then they begin to tear it down verbally so that you will not fulfill your dreams. And that's why it's important for you to be a gatekeeper of your own soul. It's important for you to guard your own heart. It's important for you to be the gatekeeper of your life. You need to set some boundaries around your life, and you cannot allow certain people in because if you do, they're going to actually wreak havoc and tear up everything in your life. And then it will take you a while to get back on track or to get emotionally healed from what they actually put you through. So when you talk about uh, that, so let's, let's look at some strategies. Or let's talk about some strategies of how you actually – in uh, a toxic friendship or how you get out of uh, the toxic friendship, and, and this is going to help you. Number one, here's what you need to do. You need to be honest with your friend. That's the first thing that needs to happen. You need to be honest with your friend. Let the person know that you're not happy with the friendship, you're not happy with the way the relationship is going, and because of, and you need to identify the things that are being done in the relationship and are the manipulation that's going on in a relationship, and you need to boldly say that because these things are happening in this friendship and this, or in this relationship or in this partner or, or in this business 
relationship, this relationship needs to come to an end because it's not healthy for me, nor is it healthy for you. Even when you're talking to the emotional blackmailer, this, this has to end because it's not, it's not rewarding or healthy for me, and it's certainly not rewarding or healthy um, for you. So you have to be honest with your friend. You have to make them aware of how the toxic behavior or how the treatment that you're receiving in the friendship or the relationship makes you feel. And you have to be able to say that. And so sometimes before you can actually approach that person, it means sitting down and actually evaluating or assessing what has happened in the friendship, what has happened in the relationship. You may need a notepad so you can write down some things, and you may need to assess it and say, you know, here's what happened. And then on the other side of that, put how do I, how did I feel about this? Or how did this particular incident make me feel? Then you go to number, go to the second incident, the things that you can remember. And then you do the same thing. You know, here's what happened on the other side, on the next column, you write, how did I feel? How did this make me feel? Or how did I feel about this? You know, so you, when it's time to speak with the person, you can, uh, you have taken an honest assessment of the friendship or the relationship. And you can honestly say, uh, the things that need to be said. And so you need to be able to freely express how you feel uh, when you talk with that person without being interrupted. So you, as I told you earlier, the, manip- the blackmailer is a manipulator. You know, all of the toxic people are manipulators. So when you get ready to, when you get ready to talk to this person, you're gonna have, you will need confidence and you will have to be in control. Because if you're not, they are going to take over the conversation. And that's not what you want. You must be the controlling element of the conversation because if they take over the conversation you're going to find yourself right back in square one trying to figure out after you get when you leave the 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 place or get off the phone you're right back to square one trying to figure out how you're going to uh end that or fix uh, in that relationship you know or redefine that relationship so when you have this conversation with your friend you are the person that should be um in control of the conversation, you need to be able to express your feelings without being uh, uh, interrupted. And, uh, you know, and sometimes if that doesn't work, then um, you will have to do as um, one of my friends, dear friends had to do. Uh, you may have to write this person a letter. If meeting with them per- in person doesn't work, if trying to talk by telephone doesn't work, then you're going to need a letter. You need to send a letter writing down everything, and that is still a form of communication it's up to them to read it when they get it, but the bottom line is you need to find a way of releasing what needs to be released, your, your feelings is what I'm talking about. You need to find a way to release, your, release and express your feelings about the friendship or the relationship, and in that letter, you're not just expressing your feelings, you are redefining the relationship. And so if the relationship needs to come to an end, you have to put that in the letter. If, um, if you think the relationship is salvageable and that you can uh, establish the relationship, then what you need to do is you need to attach to that letter a uh, restoration plan. You need to explain to them that your behavior, your attitude, your comments have re- uh, caused some strain, emotional strain uh, on this friendship, in this relationship. It has caused some hurt, some pain in this relationship. In order for us to reconcile or in order for us to restore this friendship to a healthy place, here is the restoration plan. And you need to give them a strategic plan, a restoration plan that tells them step one, step two, step three, step four. Here are the things that you will need to do. Uh, here's the restoration plan that you need to follow, and you need to give them a time period. And you need to say, okay, 
this restoration plan needs to be implemented on this particular day, and by such and such day, we will reevaluate this friendship. Where I will reassess this uh, a friendship or relationship to determine if this restoration plan is working, or if it needs this friendship needs to be redefined and or redirected in a two separate directions. So you, the person who has been offended. You, the person who's been uh, manipulated, you're the one that comes up with the restoration plan. It's up to the other person to decide if they're going to uh, follow the restoration plan. If they choose not to, if they say, well, no, I'm not doing none of this. I'm not going to do any of this. Well, you don't have a hard decision. That deci- the decision after that is that's it. Then you, you, you redefine the relationship by saying the relationship is now ended. We've got to go two separate ways. Because in order for us to maintain this relationship, restoration has to occur. Okay, and so then you have to be honest with your friend, and if if that the honesty doesn't work, or if they or if you're giving them a chance to mull it over, then what you're going to have to do is decrease, uh, decrease your or communication with your friend. Don't talk as much. If it's somebody that you're used to talking to every day, you're not going to be able to talk as every day. You're going to have to decrease your communication with that person. Give them a chance to look over or to mull over what you said. And so if you call them every day like normal, then nothing has changed. So you need to give them some breathing room and some processing room so they can make a decision about what you've laid the, the um the feelings that you express and the plan that you've laid out, you have to give them an opportunity to mull it over and make a decision that they are going to uh, abide by. If they cho- uh, again, if they choose not to, then you have to make a make a a, a call. So you know if um uh, uh if it means uh if if they decide that they don't want to uh, follow your restoration plan, then that means that you need to cut off communication. Period. So once you make that decision, that's it. No more emails, no more text messaging, you know, uh, no more telephone calls, no more anything. Because it is not good. It's not a healthy situation for you. And if you're going to maintain, if you want to be healthy, then you have to cut out those things that are eating away at your spirit, eating away at your emotions. And if it's a friendship or a relationship, you have to let it go. Because if the other person does not want to be a part of the reconciliation or a part of the restoration of the friendship or uh, the redefinement of the friendship where the friendship becomes more healthy for both parties, you can't stay connected to that person. You know, uh, So you have to decrease your communication, and then you have to decrease your um, dependency on your friend. So uh, remember, it's, when, you, when you make this step, when you follow these steps, there's a lot of cutting out that you're going to have to do. And the whole purpose of this is, number one, it's because you need to get your, place, your, 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 your being, yourself, into a place of safety. Uh, uh, in life and in your emotion, but also in addition to that, if you think, as I said, that the relationship is salvageable, then you have to give that person a chance to uh, to make a decision about um, following the restoration plan. And if they choose not to follow that plan, if they choose uh, not to be a part of reconciliation or redefinement, then what you have to say is, I can't, I can't communicate with you anymore. I can't communicate. I can't come over to your house. You can't come over here. None of that stuff. This has to end because it's not healthy. And that's uh, some key reasons why you need to be the one that redefines relationships. And you need to guard your heart. You need to make sure the boundaries of your life are not crossed. Because uh, usually when we get emotionally scarred, it's a process. The healing process sometimes takes a a minute or two to actually get over uh, some wounds that somebody that you really care about, when they inflict inflict those wounds and those pains and those hurts on you, it might take a minute for you to... um, take a little while for you to get over that. So let me tell you 
why you must have the right people around your life. And we're going to close with this, and we'll go over these with you. But um, all of this information, if you would like to go to the website, www.gingerlondon.com, is taken from uh, the Friends and Foes and Fellow Christian Study Manual. And if you like, you can order your copy. It's $15 plus shipping. It's a 40-page uh, manual with all of this information in it. And so if you need something, if you're, if you're, if you're someone who's actually going through this and you've got some of these issues going on in your life and you are you the type of person where you learn by having something in front of you and actually journaling and working in and answering questions and reading information to increase your knowledge and then internalizing it and then uh, applying it, uh, uh, finding ways to apply it or learning how to apply it to your life, please, by all means, go to the website www.gingerlondon.com, become an e-club member, but take a look at the Friends Foes and Fellow Christian Study Manual to see if it's something that would be beneficial to, um, to you. So, uh, Reasons why you must have the right people around your life. Number one, you must have like-minded people around you. It's refreshing to have people around you who are who are like-minded. In other words, they want to have healthy friendships. They want to have healthy relationships. They they see life the way that you see life. You know, they're not negative all the time. They're not um, mean-spirited. You know, angry all the time. They're not hurling insults at you all the time. So it's, it, you must have like-minded people around you. You must be sure that um, your life's vision, your potential are surrounded by the right people because when the wrong person is around your life, there are some things that God wants to do with your life and some things that you can accomplish in life. If the wrong person is around you, they will hinder your process and your growth, and they'll hinder you accomplishing the tasks that have been assigned to you, and you'll look back in a couple of years wondering why you haven't done more with your life. And if you take a fair assessment, you would have to conclude that I didn't get it. I haven't gotten as far as I should have gotten because I've been too busy dealing with this um, tormenting or frustrating or stressful friendship or relationship. Okay, and so uh, you need people around you who can speak into your life, who can bring some joy to your life, and uh, you need people uh, uh, in your life who are the right people. It is time for you to stop getting burned in friendships and in relationships and in business uh, deals. It's time to stop getting burned. And the only way that you can stop getting burned is you have to learn how to recognize the people who are toxic. You have to learn human behavior. You don't have to become a psychologist. You don't have to be a social uh, social worker. You don't have to be a licensed professional counselor. But you do know you do need to know a little bit about human behavior. You need to know some basic things about human behavior so that you can recognize warning signs, red flags. You can recognize the uh, behavior patterns of people who are unhealthy so you can make a decision early on in the friendship or the relationship that this is not the best connection for you. Um, okay, so stop being around unequally yoked people. Stop being around people who like to compete with you because sometimes you can get in friendships and the people who um, uh, you become friends with, like to, they want to compete with you. Uh, their whole goal is to compete. They're trying to prove something. They see you as competition instead of a compliment. And whenever a person sees you as competition, they start treating you like competition. And so, but you want somebody in your life who sees you as a compliment, who wants to be a compliment to your life, and who sees you as a compliment to his or her life. When 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 you're a compliment to somebody, then the relationship or the friend, the friendship is beneficial. It's mutual. Competition, not mutual. Somebody is trying to win in competition. So uh, what you have to do is pray for character discernment. You have to pray for the ability to find relationships that are good for you and avoid those that are not. 
in a relationship, as I said earlier, that does not allow you to live and pursue righteously on a consistent basis, you must redefine that relationship. And so the only way to be able to recognize that is you must learn, you must have character discernment. Character is a person's behavior on display. So when people become comfortable with manipulating you, when they become comfortable with using you, when they become comfortable with mistreating you, guess what? That character will show up no matter where you are. You could be in a restaurant eating out. You can be at a, a, a social event. You can be at a family gathering. You could be at a business event. That person's character towards you will show up no matter what because they will become so used to mistreating you, to mishandling you, they will not care where they do it. It will not bother them to embarrass you in front of people. It will not bother them to cut up with you in front of people. It will not matter to them where you are. What place you're, uh, what event you're at, you know, it, it won't matter. So character is behavior on display. Character is also anchored by integrity. When you're dealing with a toxic person, there's no integrity. They are ruthless. They don't care. It's all about self. It's all about getting what they want. It's all about uh, controlling the situation. It's, everything is centered around them. It's not centered around you. Every once in a while, they'll give you a little, uh, a little crumb. Or they'll give you a little something to chew on, or they'll give you a, a you know a smile, or they'll give you a, a a a kind word here and there. But the majority of that friendship, time in that friendship or in that relationship, is stressful. It is painful and it is hurtful. Um, so you need to make sure that you connect to power people. Power people equals power connection. And when you make the right choice with power people and uh, connection with. Uh, uh, power choices, then you got, you have a powerful relationship, and that's where you want to be in life. And so, remember, the the most important thing when you when you're dealing with toxic friendships and toxic relationships, know that you're in, you have more control over and in that relationship than it appears that you have. And the only way that you can have that control is you have to move against any fear, fear barriers, any uh, threats that the person has made, any boundaries that you, you know, any emotional um, imprisonment that you feel. You have to move against that. And you have to take control over the relationship, over the situation. Find you a partner or a, a person that is wise that you can confide in and make and develop a strategic plan on how you can either salvage that relationship or the steps that you need to take in order to get out of the relationship. And if you choose to get out of it, know that some of the steps you take will be bold steps. You're not going to be able to look back. You have to make that decision. You have to walk away. You have to keep walking and you don't look back. Don't compromise your decision. Don't let somebody talk you out of your decision. Make it because your emotional well-being, your emotional health, your emotional state is crucial, and that's the most important thing at that time is because you're the one that is not benefiting from the relationship. You're the one that's uh, receiving the most hurt and the, the most uh, hurt, the most painful um, attacks in the relationship. So you have to be the one. You have to make a decision that in order for me to be healthy, I have to walk away from this relationship. And so walking away means I may have to push myself and I have to say to myself, don't look back, don't email, don't call, don't text. You know, I'm, you have to find another way to, you have to redirect your energies, the energy that you use once in that friendship, once in that relationship. You have to ask God to give you uh, somewhere else to redirect your energy so that you can become occupied with something else as you go through the healing process of having to make that disconnect 
and then now it's time to deal with uh, the the recovery of your emotions uh, or the healing process of your emotions. So, uh, so we're almost out of time. So, if you're listening and you want and you have an, a comment that you would like to make, or if you have a question, you can call in at this time at six four six nine two nine two four three one. Again, it's six four six nine two nine twenty four thirty one. And so we'll give you just a few seconds or a few minutes to call in if you have a comment or a question. And while we're waiting on a call, I will go back over how uh, I'll tell you something that I didn't tell you, which is I'll give you some steps on uh, devising a uh, restoration plan. So if somebody has uh, is manipulating the relationship, taking control of the relationship, let me give you some things that you need to include in the restoration plan. Uh, number one, you need to once you when you start working on this, you need a date on the restoration plan. And what that date is going to say is that date is going to say when this restoration plan needs to go into effect. So you need a date. So let's say it's going to be today. You need to say um, on April 26th, this is the date that this restoration plan goes into uh, effect. The other part of the restoration plans are, are that you need on the plan are strategic steps or are uh, not necessarily steps, but well, I guess you could say steps, strategic steps, or this is what these are the steps or the things that have to be um, uh, adhered to if the restoration is going to take place. So if somebody has offended you, or let's say they broke your confidence, so on that restoration plan, what you're going to say is um, for the next three months, we will not have any uh, personal conversation where we're confiding in one another until I can feel comfortable again and confiding in you once again. So for the next three months, any conversations that we have, they will not be uh, 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 confident in nature. I will not share personal matters with you. I will not share anything that I feel is personal or that I treasure as uh, uh, something confidential to me. I will not share that. Those We will not have those types of conversations for the next three months. Okay? If somebody, uh, let's say that... Um, Okay, that's if somebody broke a confidence with you. Let's say somebody um, uh, maybe uh, stole something from you, okay? Then uh, you might say, uh, stole something out of your house, stole something out of your apartment or wherever you live. You might say, okay, for the next three months, anytime we meet up, it will not be at my place. We'll meet at a neutral spot. It might be at a restaurant. It may be um, at uh, another friend's house or something, you know, or something like that. But they will not, may not be... Uh, 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 allowed back into your home or into your apartment for X number for an X number for a period of time, but you have to be the one that sets that. So the restoration plan is based on what has actually happened. So if it's an if it's an offense, you have to make that restoration plan uh, geared toward the offense that occurred. If it's something again, I just use this example. If they stole something from you, then the restoration plan has to be based on them being able to be trustworthy again, and it has to do with what you think is necessary, the steps or the things that they need to do in order to regain your trust in them. In them, if it's a friendship that you're trying to restore or trying to redefine, then you need to then um, you need to uh, lay that plan out. And the plan might say that um, uh, uh, you are not allowed to use threats towards me in the friendship. If you know, in order to get me to do something for you, no threats allowed. And then you might say, when you list all those things for a friendship, you'll say this restoration plan will be in effect for three to six months. And then you have to monitor to monitor that restoration plan to see if they're following that plan. If they if somewhere along the line 
they fall short, then you got to find out why they fall, why they fall short. If they fall short and they say, well, I changed my mind, I want to do it, then again, you're in control of saying the relationship has to be redefined, you know. So, and if they choose, if, if you give it to them again, if they say, I do not want to do this, you will have to make a tough decision, okay. So then on the restoration plan, when you find that you date it, you put in the, the, the body of it, what needs to take place, the, per, the other person has no part in the, in outlining the restoration plan. That's on you. Then you have to get that person to sign the restoration plan. And what the signature says is, we've talked about this. You've read over it. Your signature says you agree to it. We're going to try to make this work. And your signature says, I am committed to this restoration plan. I'm committed to this friendship. I want, I want to see this. Uh, I want this to work out for us. If they refuse to sign it, refuse to do it, no questions that you, you don't even have to discuss it. You know, you might want to ask them why they don't want to do it if you just want to know. But usually when people don't want to follow that kind of restoration plan, it's because they still want to continue doing what they're doing. They, can, they want to continue blackmailing you, continue manipulating the relationship, continue threatening, punishing, whatever they're doing. They want to continue that. And if that is what you sense, then you say, if you don't sign this restoration plan, this friendship is over. Nothing else needs to be discussed. Nothing else needs to be said about it. That's it. And once that's done, if they sign it, then you have to monitor to make sure that they're doing it. If they don't sign it, again, you have to make a decision about ending the relationship. And so I want to thank you tonight for tuning in to um, Toxic Friendships, Relationships That Destroy on Tomorrow. is um, We're going to be dealing with part three of the four-part series of Friends, Foes, and Fellow Christians. And part three is Stop the Madness. How can two walk together except they agree? And we're going to talk about in, on that show how um, uh, you have to be in agreement for, uh, in the relationship when certain things are going on. So if your friendship is, is full of chaos and you're still there, it's because in some subconscious way or maybe a conscious way, you are in agreement with everything that is going on. And so until you, make an, uh, until you assess it and say, I am no longer in agreement with what's going on here, then you will, make, you will remain in that situation and nothing will be done. It's a lot of people that are in situations, if they would just make a decision not to be in agreement with the chaos, not to be in agreement with all of the stuff that's going on, then their lives would be so much better because that, making that decision will automatically propel you to another place. And so keep in mind that if you're dealing with toxic friendships, you either need to walk away from that friendship or if it's salvageable, you need to, you need to design a, a restoration plan. And you're the ones that set, set um, the, plan, uh, the plan. And so it uh, looks like uh, we may have somebody on the line. Let's check it before we go. Hello, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, what, you have a comment? Hello. Hello. Uh, my comment is simply this. I'm not in such a relationship or friendship. Uh-huh. But I have profited much from your topic today, and I will use it to help others. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Thank you for that comment. It's a blessing to know that people are being helped. Okay. What what what, what city are you calling from? I'm in, I'm in Chicago. Oh, wonderful. You're in Chicago, Chicago Illinois. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that that the show was helpful for you. Okay, Ben. All right. Thank All right, you. And, and you've been a blessing. You've been a blessing to us. 
Okay, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, once again, we have just a few more minutes. If you would like to um, to call and make a comment, you can call 646-929-2431. And also, if you're in the chat room, we do have the chat open and you want to make a comment uh, from the chat room, by all means, please make a comment. We'll read. I'll read it out over the air if you have a comment. And so, again, keep it, uh, we want you to um, remember that we have two more shows scheduled. Uh, on this topic, this is a four-part series tomorrow night at 7.30 and then on Thursday, April 29th at uh, 7.30. On April the 29th, we're going to be dealing with um, the art of friendship, how to actually have good friendship. And then on tomorrow night, we're going to be dealing with Stop the Madness. And so this is Ginger London. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. I look forward to uh, discussing the issue of life with you on tomorrow evening. Have a blessed evening. God bless you.